0: Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Good morning, everyone. Good I Everybody doing all right this morning? Right. It's good. Everybody's here. You're alive. Well, man. Yeah. Hey, just real quick, I can't iterate enough of what Pastor Eric said and just the blessing that Roger and off. are. I mean, over 300 kids. We're talking that get blessed in our community uh, every year. and This year was a little different with all the COVID protocols and things like that. And, and we would have liked to have all the parties that we normally do, and it was a little different. And kids are still blessed, and, and, and it's a blessing to be able to. Uh, speaking of giving, uh, we started a campaign called Heart for the House a couple weeks ago. So you have today and next week still to give towards that. So if you'd like to give towards that, all those ways that Pastor Eric did such an eloquent job of, of listening uh, in person, online, and texting, you can do all that for, for Heart for the House. If you use um, uh, online or text, you can text or go online and use the keyword Heart for House. So it's all one word with the number four in the middle, all lowercase. Heart for House. Um, All one word, and you can use that as your designation. And what that'll help us do is that helps, uh, you know, help us take care of God's house, but also continue to do ministry like Christmas joy and and like our food pantry that we have, and all the different things in in our kids' ministry. It helps us to continue to take care of God's house, but still do ministry and uh, and continue to grow and move into the things that that God has for us. It's not just giving to brick and mortar, but it's investing also. In lives, and the kingdom of God. So if you like to still give towards that, you got a couple more weeks that you can. Maybe you have an employer that's looking for some end-of-the-year giving. You know that tax write-off kind of thing? We'll hook them up with that, and they can hook us up, and we'll, we'll take that, too. Uh, but if you like to give, you can do that uh, for heart for the house. Um, anybody have any unusual Christmas traditions that maybe you kind of have in your home? Or, or maybe not necessarily unusual, but just different than what the norm is. April? Happy birthday, for Jesus. We do that, too. That's awesome. Twenties. Yeah, love it. Anybody else say anything maybe that's different or unusual? Everybody's kind of just, we just go with the flow, right? <laughs> well, you can look up unusual traditions. It's just a Google search or web. And you can look up some pretty obscure things that happen all over the world. I happen to have a list of those for you this morning. <laughs> Jingle bells was written for Thanksgiving and not Christmas. Did you know that? I didn't either, I found it on Google. The song was written in 1857 by James Lord Pierpont and published under the title One Horse Open Sleigh. It was supposed to be played in the composer's Sunday school class during Thanksgiving as a way to commemorate the famed Medford sleigh races. There you go, you just learned something today. You're welcome. In the Netherlands, Sinterklaas is the Dutch version of Santa Claus, and he arrives from Spain and not the North Pole. Right? Everybody celebrates in different ways. Right. In Germany, Poland, and Ukraine, finding a spider or spider's web on a Christmas tree is believed to be a harbinger of good luck. How many want some of that? No. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think so. You thought, you know, maybe a squirrel or a raccoon might come out of that tree, but you didn't know anything about it. spiders. But yeah, in some parts of the world, that's the thing. Yeah, who knows? Um. In Armenia, the traditional Christmas Eve meal consists of fried fish, lettuce, and spinach. I'm okay with the fried fish, Roger. I, I'm okay with that. I like a little bit of grits and mashed puppies and Miss Rita's baked beans. I'll be okay with that. Yeah, yeah. This is an interesting Christmas meal here. Japanese people traditionally eat KFC for Christmas dinner. You remember that? I thought uh, it was hilarious. KFC for Christmas dinner. Uh, the X and X, many people don't like that. It's like taking Christ out Christmas. Well actually, they're not. You know, they may just be lazy, but, but really, uh, really, they're not in, in, in the technical uh, sense of that, because the X is the first letter of the Greek word for Christ Christmas. Um, so not necessarily about I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say the whole word out. You can do what you want to do. Um, but, but that's actually um, what that X is. Uh, the first artificial tree wasn't a tree at all it was created out of goose feathers and were dyed green. Um, uh, from what i understand there was a, a, a deforestation issue there uh, the, the first artificial christmas trees were developed in germany in the 19th century and because of the continuous deforestation the feather trees became increasingly popular during the early 20th century finally made their way uh, to the new Weird stuff that, that people might celebrate. Uh, well, what about what we might consider their first Christmas? Right? With, with, with the everything surrounding Jesus' birth, it, it was different. It was unusual, right? And you have a virgin that's giving birth, like that's different. Right? Very different. Unusual. This baby would not just be any baby. He would be fully man and fully God. That's different, right? The way that he Came into you know they had to go to Bethlehem um, and they, they give birth because that's where uh, Joseph's family uh, line was from and, and, and they get there and there's everything is booked up. They didn't go on Expedia you know they didn't they didn't do the Travelocity or whatever. They like everything was booked up. Even Howard Johnson was booked up. not saying something right. Everything was booked up and, and there was nowhere for them to stay. And, and, and we, we know them to go to, to this manger and confer. And, and it likely wasn't in like the stable kind of atmosphere um, that we're so accustomed to thinking and seeing. It was probably more like a cave that he was born in. I've been in a cave before. family um, is from New Mexico, and in New Mexico, part of New Mexico, they have Paul's Bad Cabin. Very cool national park. We've gone there, especially with there last summer, and uh, explored those caves, and caves are dark and gloomy. This one was really. I mean, we went pretty far down into the earth, and it's dark and gloomy and damp in some places. And caves have bats, and you know what bats have? Wanu. Bat food. Just bat Oh, so it's kind of different, you know. Ladies, you you thought you know you you had your birth in a nice hospital room, or maybe you had a midwife, and you got to have a, an in-home birth, and it was all you know nice and cozy and everything didn't happen when Jesus very different very different very unusual and very unexpected for a lot of people not in the sense that they didn't know he was coming but in the manner in which he came turn to Matthew chapter 2 with me this morning as we continue our series on to us today we'll look at Matthew's account of Jesus' birth as you're turning there Matthew chapter 2 of Jesus born in Bethlehem the reigning king is King Herod He was likely appointed by the Romans to rule over this area. We know the wise men in this text come. These very wealthy, highly educated magi come to to honor the king and bring gifts. We don't know much about kings in our day and time, do we? Not in the literal sense. We know about some kings. Right Here, have your names for kings. Have a little fun. Simba is the what? The lion king. Very good. Right? Back in the day, there was this old movie with a very giant gorilla. He would climb big tall Village. He's known as who? King Kong. King Kong. You guys are doing great. <laughs> Fast food restaurant chain. You can have it your way, right away. Christine, you're on top of it. Before you hit the buzzer, before even finish. Burger King. Yes. Famous author wrote some scary books. Is Stephen King. Good job. Good job. There's a basketball player, famous, arguably one of the best. I don't know. Still in question. He's known as King James, I don't like that term, but that's what they call him. LeBron James. LeBron James. Yeah. Yeah. Interviewer, famous interviewer. Today, Anyway, there we go. Only a few of you probably going to know that. Some of the other folks are. Uh, and this is going way back. Have you ever followed sports? This was way back. Famous tennis player, legendary female tennis player. Is
1: Bill, not Billie
0: Jean, like Michael Jackson Billie Jean, but Billie Jean. King, right? Yeah, uh, I, I'm into music. So one of the great blues players, Mark B.B. King. Come on, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Uh, one of my favorite Christmas songs is the Christmas song, but only by that King Cole. Oh, right? We we know a lot about these different kings. What about the King? The Bible calls him the King of Kings, Jesus. We we can list out all these kings. We can have fun, and we can talk about kings in history, and in the world. But Jesus is a king like no other. Come on, somebody. Can you give him praise? Can you give the king some praise uh, this morning? First Timothy 6.15 says it like this. For it's just the right time Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and Lord of uh, lords. In other words, he has supreme authority over all kings and kingdoms. The old psalm says kings and kingdoms. Right? But not the kingdom of God. Not the kingdom of heaven. It is eternal. The entire cosmos and the entire universe is in the hands of Jesus, the King. The king like no other. The Jews expected their king more in a certain way. They were expecting a ruler to come and overthrow that because they were dealing with oppression and, and tyranny. They expected the Messiah, the King, to come different way. They expected him to come like a normal king would come. Born in a palace with all the luxuries and the uh, the, the, the clout that comes with that. He had, a, he had a a cradle with all the finest linens and like it was purple and it was beautiful, right? Had a designer onesie, that Louis Vuitton onesie, you know? Rocking the baby Jordans. They expected Jesus to come like a normal king would come. No one expected the king to be born in poverty, to be born in, in a cave surrounded by animals and, and, and all those things. No, no, one, no one expected the Savior, the, the, the Messiah, the king, to be the son of a carpenter. No one predicted that the son of God, the king of glory, he would grow up and he would defend prostitutes. He would hang out with tax collectors and people that would be considered outsiders and, and misfits and sinners. Troublemakers, rebellious. No one expected him to forgive a woman caught in adultery or to show grace to a woman of the street. At the same time, he would confront the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. He even went in and turned over the tables in the temple because they were using that for their own gain. No one expected no one ever imagined the king of the Jews To come riding in to Jerusalem on a donkey No one would expect the king to stand trial For crimes he did uh, No one expected this innocent king To be beaten and scourged And bruised and whipped Naked and hung on a cross like a slave and No one expected this king To come and, and die They expected him to come to rule and, and reign No one would have believed that royalty Would be buried in a borrowed cave. Only three days later to have that tomb be emptied, that stone to be rolled away. Jesus is risen. He is the reigning king. The king is alive. He sits on the throne today at the right hand of the father. He is the king of kings. He is a king Amen. like a mother. Amen. Like the mother. Like the king. So as we continue this series, unto us, I want to look at three responses to Jesus as king. In a message called, Do You See What I See? Because how you view God determines how you respond to Him. Right? How you view God determines how you're going to respond to Him. So, some may see God as a distant, uninvolved deity. So, therefore, they don't really trust Him. They don't have a personal relationship with Him. Some may see God as this judging, condemning God. So, they fear Him, but they don't love Him. Some may see Jesus as a great teacher, but nothing more than that. So, they don't know Him as Savior. Some may see Jesus in light of their experiences. How can I love God or trust God because of the things that I've been through in my life? And so the way that we see God is oftentimes determined by our experiences and the things that we go through. Even relationships, we talked about that a little bit last week. And so the way we see God determines how we respond to him or not for that matter. So i to look at these three responses that Jesus came through this passage. So we're going to look at the response of Harry, King Harry. we look at the response of the Jewish religion, uh, religious leaders of that day. And we're going to look at the response of the Magi. So go back to Matthew chapter 2 if you, have that, if you have that in your Bible or maybe an app that has that it, Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 through 12. Let's read the word of God together today. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. All of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the start had appeared, And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, hey, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him, Right? You know, we know the story, right? I'm pretty sure he did air quotes around that, so I can feel when worship, right? After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw their star, they were overjoyed. On listen, on coming to the house, they didn't go to the major. We'll talk about that here in a minute. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bound down and worshiped him. They opened uh, their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Mary, they returned to their country by another route. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for sending Jesus to be born, also to die for us, to be our Savior, to reign as King. And Lord of all. God, he's still alive today. And we're so thankful for that. He is alive. His spirit is within us. And God, I pray. I pray that we come to worship you the way that a king deserves to be worshipped. And not just any king. king of kings. Son of God. I mean, we come to worship you like you deserve worship, not out of obligation, as Pastor Eric said earlier, not out of religious uh, ritual, God, not because we, we feel like if we don't, we're going to be in some kind of trouble, but simply because we, we love you, and we know that you love us, and you deserve all the glory and honor and praise. Father, help us to learn from your words today. May it stir us to want you more. May it stir us to respond. May it start to respond to you into your love, and to your faithfulness, God. Jesus, your coming is a sign of, of God's faithfulness to us. So God, may we respond in the proper way today, and that's simply to worship you in, in our church. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's, let's look at this together. We've been looking at, at some of the prophecies concerning Jesus' birth. We've been hanging out in Isaiah uh, a lot. Um, but, but I want to look at this a, a little bit, because we, we see this prophecy um, that the chief priests quote in the passage we read, and that comes from Micah, right? But what about these magi? What caused them to, to want to go searching for the king of the Jews? What, what made them know about that? And I, I think it's interesting as, can, as you kind of dig into that and, and kind of understand who they were. How, how do they know about this star? How do they know about this like Herod didn't seem to know. Like so so, so how, how did, who exactly were these magi, Right. Let's look at that a little bit. So, so first of all, we, we know them as astronomers. Okay? They, they were scientists who studied the stars. Um, they were kind of like scientific theologians because they believed they could look at the stars and study them and, 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 uh, and hear from God through them. Not only hear from God, but, but see things going on um, in, in the world so, and, and I believe there's something we can learn from that today because many of us Christians, we, we shy away from science, and it's like, ooh, you know, science is bad, you know. And then there's those on the other side like, well, I don't even believe in science. I think faith is bad. I don't know how you, do. but I, I think I think we can understand the two of them together can be very powerful. Right. You know, we shouldn't shy away from that. We should actually dig into it even more. And I believe we will learn to see God even more, even through science, right? right? And I'd love to be able to spend time in, in that at the moment, and maybe someday we'll do that. But 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 these guys. They, they they were, they were these scientific theologians, and they believed they could hear God and see God to speak through. They, they likely came from the east. The Bible tells us they came from the east in, in an area called Persia. The word magi is a Persian word, right? And if you know your Bible history, you remember a wise man who was made chief over the magi. His name was Daniel. Remember Daniel? We know Daniel and the lions den. If you grew up with kids and you had vegetables, you, you remember, I am King Darius. That is my name. Like, you, you, you know that. you did some vegetables right? No, no, no. All right, It right, was right? Right? So, so we, we, we remember Daniel, Daniel was one of the Hebrew boys that got brought over to, to Babylon and, and the whole the kingdom of King Nebuchadnezzar and all that. But Daniel had this gift that God had given him to be able to interpret dreams. You remember that, right? And God used this gift to elevate him even with these, um, these pagan kings, these kings that were not uh, followers of the one true God, but many gods. And, and Daniel was elevated through that gift up through even these ungodly kings. And he became the chief magi. Right? Could it be that his influence, Daniel's influence as chief magi, he's like the Yoda of the magi, right? I'm a to see one day, you know? Like. Could it be that through his influence, here you guys at a high level, Daniel, how can you interpret these dreams? Well, you understand there's this God that I believe in. And and through him telling his story, hey, this is where I come from. This is who uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is. This this is the God that I serve. This is how I interpret. Could it be from his influence and from him teaching all these future magi, could it be that they knew about the star from that? to be, right? So that, that, that's a likely possibility Even some theologians would, would suggest that. But either way, if they knew about this star, they knew what it represented, and they're out there studying the stars, and the star catches their eye, and they remember, and they go back to their studies and their teachings and say, hey, this is what it is. We need to go and investigate. In Numbers chapter 24, 17, the star will come out of Jacob, and the scepter will rise out of Israel. So it's likely that they go back to their teachings and, and, and they go back so, so they begin to follow this star. Right? They begin to follow. Could, could it also be said that maybe as they're looking, um, they're looking out and they're investigating these things, you remember when the shepherds uh, they encounter all the angels and the heavenly hosts that announce the birth of Jesus to them. Remember, it said the glory of the Lord shone around about them? This is like the Shekinah glory, right? That's not a word we say much anymore in the church. But, but this is the, the Shekinah. It's the glory of God Could it be, as they're investigating the star, could it be that they saw this great light? Through whatever instrument, telescope, or whatever it is. It, could, could it be? Could it be something they were doing? But whatever that is, that, that light would eventually lead them. Jesus. Because that light would eventually rest over that. She kind of glory would rest over where Jesus was. So they, so they followed this far. They, they traveled a, a very long way. The Babylonian center of Persia is where modern-day Baghdad Iraq is. And it's located. It, it, this is like, like an 800-mile trek we're talking about. Why would they do that? Why would they go this, the, the links that they gave, why, why would they go through this so if they, they didn't see some significance in it? They didn't know that this was something special Especially here. many scholars believe that these Magi were the ones that put kings in place. In other words, they would appoint kings. So, if there's a king born, we need to go and know about it. We need to find out what is going on. And then I know we've become accustomed to thinking that there's three kings because there's three gifts—Frankincense, Gold, and Myrrh—but there were probably more than three that showed up. I mean, these are like royalty. Like these are these are very special. People, they worked in, in, the, in the royal house with royalty. There was, like, there was likely an entourage that came with them to show up to worship Jesus, right? And, and so there was likely there was more. Than, can, can you imagine Mary and Joseph getting a knock on the door? Because they didn't show up at the manger. We just read it. They didn't show uh, So the, the nativity scene that we see, you've got your house decorated. is probably not accurate. I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily, but, but it's probably not what they They showed up at the house. Can you imagine getting on the door and here's this whole entourage of, 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 of these royal people, these very special people, and there's probably camels that they're riding on, these fancy camels, you know? And they got gifts, gifts for a king. Not, not just boys, because Jesus is likely a toddler at this point. He's not baby Jesus anymore. He's likely terrible to Jesus. Right? And because and I mean, we're talking about 800-mile trek. The shepherds didn't have that far to go. We're talking about 800-mile trek. For them to come. So by the time they actually get to Jesus, he's probably a toddler. He's probably somewhere around one, maybe between one and two probably. So they're not gonna go in there and open up. They're like, who in the world is this? So they're like, close the door, let's go do again. And like turn off lights. You know how you do when you get people knocking on your door, and then they show up to worship the king. Right? And it, it, so so before that though, they, they, they go to Herod, right? They go to Herod and they tell Herod, hey, because Herod <laughs> is called the king of the Jews at that time. And now here they are, they know the star is the star of the king of the Jews coming. And so they say, well, that's the first place we've got to start. So they go to Herod, king of the Jews. They say, hey, where is this king, born king of the Jews? Right? And Herod's like, well, what are you talking about? Let's go investigate. Let's figure out who this is. And we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. But they go to Herod. And so I want to look at three responses to Jesus as king. Okay? Three responses to Jesus as king. And the first we're going to do is look at Herod. King Herod. King Herod is known as um, Herod the Great, not because he was an awesome guy, uh, because he did some great things. Uh, He was known for uh, rebuilding uh, the area of Israel, Jerusalem, and rebuilding. he rebuilt the temple, the very temple that Jesus would uh, go and speak in and preach in and teach in. He rebuilt that. He's known for his architecture that he had rebuilt, and he came in and did a lot of great things, but my man was crazy. This guy was totally insane. He was a maniac, right? He had an enormous ego. You know anybody with a giant ego? Don't nudge your spouse. Don't do it. It's Christmas time. Don't do it. Take that gift back. This guy had an enormous ego. He couldn't even get in the building with the size of his ego. That's how big his head was. And he opposed Jesus as king. His response to Jesus is one of hatred. Hostility. Because here's the deal. He didn't think anyone could or should rule but him. In fact, he believed that so much that he had three sons killed. He had his favorite wife killed. I don't know what that means for the other wives that maybe he had, but his favorite wife killed him. He had uh, some of the religious uh, leaders, some of the Sanhedrin uh, he had killed. He killed his mother in law. poor mother in law is to get such a bad rap. They can't kill his mother-in-law, right? Like, he's crazy. He's, he's insane. So when the wise men, when these magi come to him, they're like, hey, where's this Where's this baby born king of the Jews? Can you imagine probably what's going on in his head? I mean, he matched it. He's like, hey, let's go and, you know, find out what's going on so I can go worship him, right? But, but no, in his mind, he's thinking, oh, no. Nah. We got we to take care of this. And so he tries to do that. We know that he issues a decree, right, that, that, that um, all baby boys uh, born under the age of two in that area were killed. we know that, right? Because that's what the enemy does. If you haven't noticed that over history, any time that there's a, a child, I mean, there, there's 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 power in the next generation. Right? I don't know if you know that. We we give our next generation such so a hard time oftentimes. We need to build them up. There's power, and the enemy knows that. That's why abortion is such a big issue today. Because it's the same thing that's been happening throughout the history. Of the world. It happened to Moses, remember? Happened to Jesus. Still happening to this day. That's why we gotta fight that thing. That's why we gotta fight up and stand up and get abortion. That's why we gotta give to our and care center And I just talk about, about it and post about it. We gotta fight against, we gotta pray against that, that thing. That's why we gotta vote the right way as well. But this guy was crazy, crazy, crazy talents. Sons of A they still have a hostile response to God. In the world that we live in today, there's many that have a hostile response to God. There's many in our culture that are fighting to get God out of everything, right? We see it, we see it playing out, it's getting worse. There's many that look like King Herod that do great things, but they're hostile to God and the church, excuse me, and they want to take it away. But there's some that, there's, there's most that wouldn't be hostile, but maybe they're skeptical. There's many that are hostile to it, but, but there's most that would just be skeptical. They would say, you know, what? I don't really know. Or there's some that have been hurt by the church or, or hurt by others, and so they are like, I don't, I don't really want to be a part of it. So they're skeptical because of different things. And, and I would just say to these students, if you if you do feel like maybe you're, you're watching today online or maybe in the room, you feel hostile towards God, let's talk about that. I'd love to have a conversation, got a coffee or something. I'd like love to talk through. Some of that was going on. If you're feeling skeptical today because of hurt, because of things that have happened, because of some some pain, because of something said, something somebody did, let's talk. Let's talk that through because there, there's some hurt that has happened there, and, and that doesn't reflect who God is. It reflects what a, a human did uh, to you. Is let me let me help you with that. I love to be able to talk with you and talk you through uh, some of those things. But maybe there's some that are skeptical of God, of Jesus, of church. Just like the Jewish priests were. See, the second response we're going to look at is the Jewish leaders, the Jewish priests of the day. They dismissed Jesus as king. They were skeptics, right? And it's interesting that they spent their entire lives studying the Old Testament. Many of them, all of them, had to know at least the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, many of them would have memorized the entire Old Testament. Right? And back in the day, we used to memorize scripture really well. Like I remember as a kid, like I could quote it out. I don't know what happens when you get older. I think our ability to retain information something happens there. But but, but Bible memorization it's it's important. We need that. Maybe we need to bring that back in the church. But but they have to memorize all these things. One of my fondest memories, just a side note. One of the fondest memories like my great grandmother. Is every Christmas uh, at lunch. On Christmas Day, she would recite the entire Luke account of Jesus' birth. She had gotten up to her 90s and was still, still, doing, was still with it. And I just always admired that uh, about her. But they, had, they would have memorized much of it, including these prophecies. They even quote the Micah prophecy, Micah 5 2, when Herod was asking about well, Luke, what, what's this all about. Right? So they knew all this, they had a knowledge of it, but they were still. Skeptical because Jesus didn't come in the manner that I think that he should have. And I think it's interesting that they were literally miles away from Jesus and where he was born but didn't show up. They had all this knowledge of them, and they were so close that they didn't show up. The magi, traveled hundreds of miles, to come and worship. Well, let's, let's don't dismiss the king. Let's don't dismiss Jesus for whatever reason that might be. This Christmas, don't dismiss the king. Because we're going to go in uh, at the end of next week, and we're going to get involved in all the busyness of, of, of everything and gathering together with our family and friends. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. And we're going to dig into to gifts and, and food and all this stuff. But don't dismiss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus in the middle of all that. But use this as an opportunity to say, hey, this is what it's really all about. We can give gifts, that's great. We can gather together, that's great. But use this church as an opportunity to share what this is really all about. Use it as an opportunity to worship the King. Don't dismiss Jesus this year. Even in the hustle and bustle of Christmas, we can do it. Have become skeptical of God, they become skeptical of the church, they become skeptical of Christianity. We've got to do a better job of reaching people. And we've got to do a better job of speaking truth and love. We've got to do a better job of, of helping people understand what the truth is. And there's even people today that they're, they're, they're good, well-meaning people, and they're full of the knowledge of God, but they don't have love in their heart. Right? And the Bible tells us about that, right? Remember 1 Corinthians? Where Paul talks about, hey, you can speak in tongues, you can prophesy in all these things, but if you don't have love, it's like a clanging symbol. Tell I love it when you play drums. It sounds good. you do a good job, man. Like you've done it before or something. Right? But any parent who has ever had a kid who is learning drums, or any kind of instrument for that matter, at first, it's a little annoying. It's a bunch of noise. It's like, oh, it's like, I get a nervous twitch. I'm like, ugh. Oh annoying. It's a nuisance. You don't want to hear it. It's the same way for us as the church. We can have all the knowledge of God, all the great gifts of God, but if we're not operating that in love, in love for God, in love for others, we are missing it, and it's not work. Come on, let's love. Let's lead the way in love. All those things are great. Yes, we should prophesy. Yes, we should. In yes, we should do all those things. We should be give words of knowledge. You should be looking for opportunities to pray over people and take the church outside of the building, but you got to do it. Love. There's people that are skeptical. The religious leaders of the day, they, they had a knowledge of the Messiah. They knew the prophecies. They knew what to look for. They had no relationship. They had no relationship with even the people in their communities. They lorded the, the law over them. Right? In fact, in the, in the church today, it's easy to do the same thing. We can be caught up in, in, in what's sacred and what's sentimental. And we can oftentimes confuse the two. You can be arguing over what version of the Bible to use while your neighbors are going to hell. Like we can get caught up in, in what songs we're supposed to sing while there's people out there hurting that need the love of Christ. We can get so caught up in God only moves... This way, while there's people starving all over the world, even in our backyard here in America, we can get caught up in arguments about the way ministry is supposed to happen. But ministry can happen many ways, and it can happen anywhere, not just in the church. In fact, I believe ministry should be happening more outside of the church. But we can get caught up in what's sacred or supposed to be sacred and what's sentimental, and become skeptical, heretic pose. The king, the religious leaders, dismissed the king. And now i want to look at the response of the wise men. Because the wise men, they bow to the king. Come worship team. You guys can come on up. The wise men, these magi, they came to worship at the feet of Jesus. Notice they didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Mary. They didn't worship Joseph. We honor Mary. We honor Joseph. We worship Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We honor them and we worship Jesus. And the highest form of worship is to bow. It's a symbol of humility. Of humility, not humility. We got a lot of that of it. But. Humility. To bow. It's, it's not that we have to literally, physically do that. And if you want to do that, you can't. But it's, it's a symbol. It's a posture of humility. And saying, God, here I am. God, I, I need you. I'm nothing without you, Lord. You are everything. You are worthy to be praised. And so, God, I bow. That's what we do when we worship. That's what people would do when they encounter the king. They would honor the king. And they would, they would, they would bow to the Lord's presence. Right? And we do that when we worship Jesus. And that's what these magi did. Bow down. Ultimate posture of surrender, submission, and reverence. And again, we picture them worshiping at the angel, but they they showed up at their house. This was this was after he was a baby, because it took them so much time to get there. But what about you this morning? What about you? What's your response to the king today? If you're watching online or in your living room, you're watching. What's your response to the king today? Do we just come in and come out and go through the motions? Is this just a a religious ritual that we do on Sunday, so we're 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 supposed to go to church? Our daughter, Angela, asked us that. So what are we doing today? It's Sunday. What do we do every Sunday? Go to church? Are we doing this out of religious ritual? What's your response to the king today? Do you oppose him? Again, let me me help you with that. Are are you skeptical? Do you dismiss him, or are you going to bow and worship the king? A little bit about me and my being mean, honest, I went through times where I was skeptical. I went through times of doubt. I grew up in church. I grew up as a kid. Every summer, VBS. I went to Sunday school. We, we did all that. I went to youth camps, youth conferences as a teenager. But there was a time when I allowed my experiences to shape how I view God. And so I became skeptical. But even though, I was, even though there were times when I would, I would run away from God, I was trying to ignore it, but there was something that just kept tugging at my heart. There was something that just kept pulling me in and drawing me in. And finally, as I was an older teenager, I really gave in to that voice and that prompting and that tugging. I didn't know at the time that I was the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit will draw you in. Maybe even today, the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. We don't come to salvation without the prompting of the Holy Spirit. You might have thought you made that decision on your own. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. What's your response today as the worship team is going to begin to play and we get ready to close out here in just a few moments. We're going to have an opportunity for you to pray if you need that. We're going to worship together one more time, but, but what's your response today? What's your response to the king who was stripped from glory of heaven and humbled himself and came down and put on flesh for a sinner like you and, and me. What's your response? He's not a distant, uninvolved, angry judge. He's not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy in the sky. Jesus is not your homeboy. He is the king. He is the king like no other. Stand with me this morning. You know anyone that gives really good gifts? Like maybe you've got someone in your family, they just always know that, that, they know how to get that perfect gift. Does anybody know that brings your treasure in? You? anybody? Yeah, Holly. Recognize him and worship his king. Are we going to recognize and worship the king today? Are you going to recognize the king of glory today? Are you going to recognize the king of righteousness, the king of the age?